I greet you tonight in the name of Jesus. And I tremble in your presence tonight. There's nothing about this evening that I look forward to other than just declaring God's truth. We have a faithful God. I look at that picture up there and I think about preparing our children for persecution. And I looked at that picture this afternoon and I thought, which one will it be? How many will it be? Who may be the first one? The last one? What will they face to honor their Lord Jesus faithful to the end? And Abe and Will, if you'd come up here. I've often heard it said, and I'll try to do this tonight. I've often heard it said that, I have to figure out how to get that apart. That you can start in the beginning of time all the way up until right this moment. And there is a trail of blood. And so what this ribbon is, is just, I don't know how to do this, but just feature that this ribbon is a trail of blood. And over there where Abe is, is the beginning of time, and over where Will is, is the end of time. And so what I'd like to do, I'd like to just engage you tonight. Can you think of anybody in the Bible that has given their life as a martyr or that was killed as a righteous person? If you can think of that person, just raise your hand and tell me who it is. Yes? Stephen. Stephen. Okay, would you please come up here and take your... If that's the beginning and that's the ending, where do you think Stephen was? Just go ahead and... That's the beginning of time? Oh, beginning of time. So go ahead and just clamp on there where Stephen would have been, okay? Stephen. Yes. Let's ask the crowd. What do you think? Would Abel? Yes, Oren, please come and take your place where Abel would have stood. Abel stands as the first martyr that we know of that gave his righteous blood. Thank you for that. Any more martyrs? Yes. Isaiah. Isaiah, come. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Come. Take your place. Yes. Peter. Paul. Take your places. Any more? I guess the, the point is this. We can talk about preparing for persecution, but when you just see this trail of blood all the way from Abel, Christ, the apostles, and even as I speak right now, I've heard it said that like the average is maybe every nine minutes someone gives their life for Christ as a martyr. 
The trail of blood is real tonight. Real men, real women, somebody's daddy, somebody's mother, somebody's son, somebody's daughter had the honor of yielding the ultimate sacrifice for the ultimate sacrificer, Jesus Christ. He gave his blood. And I want to say before you tonight, the most obvious and only way that anybody could be prepared for persecution would do have already submitted their life and heart to Jesus Christ. And if you're old enough to understand what I'm saying tonight, that means you, outside of committing, bowing the knee, confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, it's impossible to be prepared. But those of you that are younger and don't understand what I'm saying, I want to say this to you. I don't want you to fear. I want you to know that God could take a boy like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He could take them to the far country amidst wickedness, amidst darkness, amidst unholiness and blackness, and he could save them. He can keep them. If you place your trust in that God, he'll do the same thing tonight. I don't want you to fear. I want you to be pleased to know about how powerful your God is. And God wants even the naughty men that are persecutors, he wants them to be saved too. He may call you to love one of them. He may call you to forgive one of them as they're giving you your last breath of air. But you can love them to the end because your Savior did that for you. Okay, thank you. That's the trail of blood. Just let it lay right there. Just let it lay. <clears throat> thank you. It's pretty obvious the, the goal. is raising up sons and daughters to have homes and lives on purpose. And I have been asked to talk about preparing our children for persecution. Well, I put this up here. I've heard it said that Wormbrand said that all the years that they spent in jail, that the Christians would uh, wear chains. They were chained to their guards and so forth. And they would take their chains and, and they sang in jail and, and they used these for their musical instruments. They'd say, this is the day, you know, clank, clank, clank. This is the day, clank, clank, clank. This is the day the Lord, and they used those for their musical instruments. So even chains can make music. They're honoring the Lord tonight. Well, it's said like this, we live in the land of, we, li we live in the land and the home of the free. And I wonder sometimes if we have a little arrogance. <clears throat> I wonder sometimes if we haven't been brainwashed into having some entitlement to freedom. 
I don't want to cast any negative thoughts on how you may believe about the end times. But I've heard a lot of comments about the end times. Things like, well, we don't need to worry about things like this. God's going to come and get his children out of here. And I beg you tonight, how will you explain that to our brothers and sisters that are giving their life now and have given their lives for the last 100 and 200 and 300 and 500 years? How will we explain to them tonight if God's going to pull us out of here, his rich kids unscathed? God forbid. We live in a day and time that there's a lot of pressure. Pressures like I've never seen before. But don't you truly believe that God will give grace to every generation that trusts him, regardless of the pressure. We have these agendas like the LGBTQ and other inclusive agendas where their inclusiveness does not include Christianity. It's you, and it's you, and you over there. You're not included. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and 10 that the bloodthirsty hate the upright. Matthew 10, 34, Jesus says, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I am not come to send peace, but a sword. We sometimes think, well, we... It's safe in the USA. It's not safe in the USA. Because the Bible says we are strangers and we are pilgrims wherever we are. We are just visitors in the host country. We are not a, we're not safe at all. I have the feeling that there will be many that will not be prepared for persecution. It's just kind of bothered me more recently. I've made these comments myself. I've probably even made them to you. When I observe all kind of casual in my life or casualness in others' lives, I've made comments like, well, persecution will certainly change that. Persecution will, almost like, well, persecution will put us right back on track. I'm not sure that's true. If that's true, then you could just eat, drink, and be merry, and persecution would just, oh, put you right back on track. It could be we would not be prepared. 
Brother Andrew has a quote that says something like this. The church historically has lost the first round because they weren't prepared. But then they dig in deeper and they come back stronger. That's the grace of God. We need to be prepared for the first round. Lest we be like the frog that sets in the that's the fable of the frog who sets in the water and the water begins to boil, but it just gets hot so gradual, gradually that, that he is not able to jump. We want to be prepared. So preparing our children for persecution. If they are unprepared, I have put down here, they may do two things, all of us. And I'm going to use the example of Peter. There's two things that could happen here if we are unprepared. One would be that we would respond in the flesh. Now, what I mean by that is Jesus was telling Peter about his decease in Jerusalem. And he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and the Son of Man is going to be taken uh, into wicked hands and he's going to be crucified. Peter wasn't prepared. And he reacted in his flesh. And he says, not so, Lord. Basically, this isn't going to happen to you. We'll fight for you. And Jesus turned around and he said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He called him Satan. Get behind me as he talked to Peter. So it's possible to respond in the flesh. And secondly, if we're not prepared, it's possible to deny Christ. And they, I use Peter as the same example. Peter wasn't prepared. He responded in his flesh like this isn't going to happen. And it was a whole design of God. Anytime we, try to, anytime we try to put up a fight against what God has designed to bring us to surrender, we're operating in the power of the flesh. And so then Peter comes back later, and they're saying, oh, you're, you're, you're one of him. Oh, no, no, I, I don't even know him. And, you know, then he's over somewhere else and someone comes and says, oh, you, you're, you're from Galilee. No, no, no. He says, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Warming his hands at the fire, he denies Christ. So that's what happens. So I just want to look at three little things tonight that um, three steps that we can take now to prepare our children for persecution. And the first one that I'd like to talk about tonight is just anticipating suffering. Just anticipating suffering. Now, the second one is that we rejoice in suffering. Rejoice in suffering. And thirdly, to remember the suffering. So we'll take a look at these three little steps. Step one, anticipate suffering. 
Now, I'm going to open the Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read these two verses as we anticipate suffering. 1 Peter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves. Anticipate suffering. Likewise, with the same mind, Arm yourselves, likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live in the rest, he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So this, I just look at this. I think it's good that we take a step of just anticipate suffering. Think about it. I, I appreciated the title. At first it kind of got me like, well, this could be pretty scary. But then I, the more I looked at it, I think it's really something we need to be talking about. Arm yourself. It just simply means uh, to furnish, uh, to provide. You might think about it like in the military that somebody's training. Training. You know, just it, you're, you're cognitive of this thing that we're talking about. And then I like too, it's good, well, get the same kind of mind that Christ had. So you train, you determine, you've got your thought, you've got your intent, all to this higher calling. And uh, because it says the lust of the flesh and things like that, uh, they, they don't have the pull whenever we are armed to suffer uh, with Christ like Christ. And so I guess what I want to say tonight is that it's easy to come along and say, well, we live in these wicked times. Well, why does my children have to be born in these times? Why, what all this stuff that's going on, all these inclusion agendas that doesn't include Christians and all of that, let's don't blame the times. Let's don't point fingers at all this stuff around us. Why don't we just say, look, this is an opportunity to identify powerfully with our Lord Jesus Christ. This may be an opportunity to give a testimony that the world is waiting to see. And children, maybe one of you, as you face persecution and love your persecutor and maybe march to the, to the uh, electric chair or march to the firing squad or go out to be drowned in the river, or to be burned in the fire. You go out there singing. You go out there without any fear. I think that's what uh, honors the Lord Jesus. And he's saying, just be this like-minded. Arm yourself with this. Train yourself with this. It's the high calling. Uh, the humiliation, the, the shame, the beating, the ridicule, the mockery, all this stuff we're talking about tonight is not just to psych us up to get ready for something that will come. This is more of a call to identify with Christ. I hope you can hear that tonight. Uh, because if we go through here and just and bash what's going on, I mean, 
What do we expect? The, 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 the world lies in the lap of the wicked one. Did we expect it to get better? Absolutely not. We expect this thing to come to a contest of where the, the Lord Jesus Christ is ultimately magnified. And so we suffered in the flesh. Christ suffered in the flesh to save others. Uh, he suffered so that others could see God. And we're going upstream and we're going to have the same opportunity. It's not... When, it's, not, uh, it's when, not if. It's us, not others. And it's here, and it's not somewhere else. Jesus says, or 1 John 3, 13 says, Marvel not if the world hates you. Persecution is good for us. So I'll ask you a question. Should you pray for persecution? <laughs> I don't know. You can answer that later. I, that's just a question I'm not going to answer. Bible says, 2 Timothy 3 and 12, Yea, and all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall? So what do you think when you're walking with your sons and daughters? I've thought about this as we go out, you businessmen, uh, farmers, or uh, occupations, or the possessions you have. Uh, you go out there with, with your children and you say, you know, one day, Dad's going to walk away from all this. Maybe in your lifetime, we may pack up our bags one day, and we, in fact, we may not even have time to pack up our bags. We just may head down the road, and you know we'll leave all this to, behind. You mean even the cars and the pickups and all that, Dad? Yep, we'll leave it all behind. You know we will anyway someday, son, won't we? We take our last breath. We'll leave it all behind. All this stuff, well, how about your cash, how about your bank accounts or your credit cards or your cash or the, uh, your retirement? Uh, you know, all, all our, our devices, our, our Bibles, um, our parents, our, our siblings, our sons, our daughters, you know, maybe it would be good if we just talked about things like that more often just so that we understand that's probably more the normal than the expectancy that we've lived in. Like, this is normal. This is what... Yet, on the other hand, we're still called to occupy. I mean, I don't want to preach this and say, well, there's no need in trying. No, I think we, we're called to occupy. And uh, I just want us to hold up, anticipate suffering. Uh, if, if we're called to boil in that pot, if we're called to be fed to the lions... Let's just settle it in our hearts now that we're paying the ultimate sacrifice to the ultimate sacrificer. And it could happen tonight. Someone could come right through the door before I'm done. Take me right out of here. Uh, and that's fine. You know, we're all going to go anyway, right? And um, really, it's up to him. I just, just live in that reality of anticipation. Uh, we do need to be preppers. That's kind of a word we hear a lot about today is preppers. But I want to tell you when to prep. The time to prep is now. Uh, Asa, in the Bible, it says he prepped. He tore down altars. He tore down high places. He knocked down the groves. And he did it when the land had rest. He did it in the good times. And then it says that he built and he prospered, called people back to the law. That's what I'm saying is tonight's the night. Uh, like do it. Prepare. If there's anything you need to do uh, before you uh, 
are called to give your life, uh, do it tonight. Uh, what are some ways, uh, why, why do people, why are we persecuted? Well, I'm, men love darkness rather than light, and their deeds are evil. And all these people up here on this uh, uh, trail of blood, most of them uh, would have been martyred because they represented the truth. And they just, that's it. The men love darkness rather than light. Their deeds are evil. And uh, you speak the truth in a wicked and perverse generation, uh, we'll probably be out of here. How have people been killed? They've been crucified, stoned, beheaded, burned, dragged, banished, buried alive, devoured by lions, boiled in oil, drowned, heads chopped off. I think, was it Isaiah? Was he the one sawn asunder? So I think it was Isaiah sawing asunder. I used to wonder about that as a boy. How, what kind of a saw did they use? A saw Isaiah asunder. But those are just real things. Um, there's, there are heroes today. So what do we want to teach our children as we anticipate? We want to teach our children the fear of the Lord. I just Children, always know that God is an awesome God. And he's got his eyes on you. There's not one hair on your head that will fall to the ground that he doesn't notice. He knows whether you're being ill-treated by someone. He knows whether you've got to go hide. He knows whether you're thirsty, whether you're hungry, and he will take care of you in his way. Uh, teach our children how to stand alone. When I look at all these uh, people that I admire in the Bible, like this Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the Daniel, they stood alone. They just weren't afraid to be uh, who they were trained to be. And uh, also, um, I've read this, children, that you need to know. It's proven that when the church gets beat down, that uh, it comes back stronger. And I've read in the mission world, I've read stories like when when a family is just, just obliterated or slaughtered on a, on a, in a mission base somewhere, instead of back at the home church thinking like, oh, that's going to be it, uh, there's, there's various stories where about 10 to 1, more wanted to go. There's, there, so there's something in us. There's that holy passion that I believe that children get built in them when they know who their hero is. That count me in. They're going to take one of them down. I'm coming on. And I'm bringing more with me. I mean, that's the kind of God that we serve that stirs up holy passion inside of children that's prepared for persecution. Uh, Jesus said, if the world hates you, no problem. It hated me before it hated you. John 16, 33, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so that's what we anticipate suffering. I just am going to finish this one. We anticipate suffering because Jesus has overcome the world. He is on the throne. Remember, we said last night, God's not out on the forklift. He's not back in the warehouse somewhere. He's not out on the tractor. He's not, he's on the throne. And none of this takes him by surprise. 
Okay, step one, anticipate suffering. Step two, I put this picture here of Paul and Silas. They were singing at midnight in their stocks, and you know what happened? The jailhouse broke down, and they were freed. They rejoiced in their suffering. So we're also called to rejoice in our suffering. I'm going to go right there to 1 Peter again, chapter 4. I'm going to begin in verse 12, and I'm going to read. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God on this behalf. It's like Peter is laying it out there that this is more identity with Christ. And uh, rejoice in suffering. That is the call tonight. Rejoice in suffering. I was so pleased. Uh, how many of you were over at the uh, CO meeting in Pasco and heard uh, Vanya's brother talk about, yeah, a good show of hands. I was just amazed how this man's up there telling the story of his brother Vanya who was just tortured to death. And there's something in him like, yeah, that's, that's my brother. And, and I think that there's rejoicing comes out of knowing that the Lord is victorious and the Lord kept his brother victorious. And it somehow that has a magnetic pull uh, to bring in rejoicing not as something that, oh, yeah, now it's time to rejoice. It's something that just comes out and uh, opens up. And there it is. That's, that's the presence of the Lord. Now, Matthew chapter 5, and I want to read there, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So step two is rejoicing. Uh, it's his way, not our way. We rejoice, we're blessed. Christ is the model and he is the example that we follow. And one thing I want to say, I'll just caution you. Uh, as you see these agendas and these things coming about and uh, we're getting ready to have an election, it's really easy to be sucked into just some negative, yeah, comments or nods. Or Do not speak evil of rulers or dignitaries. Because, you know, how would that be? Like we're speaking evil of someone and, oh yeah, then we're rejoicing. What, what happens through them? Do not do that. It just opens up our spirit to uh, 
evil power. That's the best way I say it. So I want to just talk about this a little bit. Um, the apostles, something always kind of fascinated me is they were told they were preaching and they were told not to preach and they preached anyway and uh, they, they got a flogging for it and Acts 5.41 that says something like this. They says, we just counted it a joy that we could suffer for his name. Now, how did they get there? How could you just, just be up preaching and get a good beating for it and then just say, we just counted it joy to suffer for his name? What happened in these boys' lives that produced this? If you just want to dream with me, that's fine, because I did some dreaming here, I'll have to admit. So I'm thinking about old Peter and James and John, uh, Peter and Andrew. Let's just say Peter and Andrew. They're, they go to bed at night and they say, Dad, tell us some stories. And the dad maybe goes back and he says, well, I'll, I'll tell you a story about Abel. And he tells this whole story about Abel. Wow. And they begin to identify with, you know, the, un, I, I don't know, it's not fair to call Abel the underdog, but, you know, for the sake of what I'm dreaming here, you know, it looked like the, that he was, he was right. And he got, he got beat up and killed and, and they kind of feel that little feeling of injustice, but, you know, already it's like I'm siding with the right. I don't know. I'm just dreaming. Let's go on. Let's, uh, uh, James and John, they're in bed, and they're, they're uh, you know, they're probably like any other children. Tell us another story. And, and uh, their dad or mom comes in, and they start telling, uh, we're going to tell you a story about Joseph tonight. Joseph. Yeah, yeah. Tell us the story of Joseph and how Joseph was sold, and he was treated unjustly, and, and he got all kinds of uh, accusations, and he got in jail, and and uh, oh, uh, false accusing. You know, all of a sudden they're siding with Joseph, and 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 yeah, sure enough, sure enough, right wins, and and Joseph comes out on top, and you know, already they're seeing that there, there's a hero behind this. Uh, God is a hero in these stories, and these boys are, uh, I, I don't know, I'm just dreaming, and, and here is, um, you know, some of the other apostles, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, Thaddeus, and so forth. You know, th their moms and dads are telling them stories about Micah that got jailed and, and got fed only uh, just, just a, a bread and water in prison. Jeremiah, tell us the story of Jeremiah. You know, he got put down the cistern, and it was just a, they left him there for dead. They put the lid on the cistern, and finally somebody happened to think about him, and they put some old ropes down there and they pulled him back up and all these stories are going on about Elijah as he was uh, hunted by Ahab and Elijah was fleeing and, and Elijah was uh, uh, you know he condemned the idol worshipers and then and, and, uh, of course I'm sure they wanted to hear the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and how hot did they heat the fire well dad says I've heard they heated it seven times hotter than it was ever, ever to be hit and and he said, wow, and tell us about, who, they saw someone standing in the fire. Yep, sure enough, there was a, there's someone like the Son of God standing in the fire with him. And you know, I think these apostles, they may have grew up hearing these stories, I don't know. But you know, if, just dream with me. As you hear stories like that, 
And as you see the, the person that, that kind of gets the, the shaft, so to speak, the, the person that ends up being like the, the down and out or the one that gets stepped on, your heart's already for him and your heart's already rooting for him. And all of a sudden, God steps off his throne in heaven and he comes down there. He blows past the fire. Not a hair is his, his head is singed. And he walks in the fire with those boys. You know, think about David out there with the, and you, the boys hear the story about David and the great big giant. And he says, hey, you know, he, you're bigger than I am, but I'm not afraid of you because, uh, because my God's going to fight for you. I don't, you thought, was David ever in his mind before had, had probably sat out there and, and dreamed about as he killed bears and lions? You know, I don't know whether they ever dreamed to kill a giant or not, but I know this. They had confidence that the hero would show up just in time. And if the hero didn't show up in the time the boys thought they should have shown up, they said, we're not changing anyway. I think that's the confidence that the apostles went to the stake with. I think that's the confidence that the apostles burned to the fire with. I think that's the apostles that they preached with. I think that's what kept them going and counting it a joy to suffer for his name. And that's what will keep you going too. God's the hero of these stories. Oh, my. Well, step three, remember the suffering. I'll read a verse here from the Bible. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse three, says to remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Now, as I understand it, uh, many of the early believers, if you just confessed Christ and didn't confess Caesar, you were taken to jail and put in bonds. And the jails in those days weren't like they are today. Uh, someone had to feed you. And someone had to take things to you. And I don't know what all this means. It could be that simple. Like, Harrison, you're in jail. And uh, Skylar's going to need to bring you some bread and water. Uh, or it could be someone suffering and we're praying for them. I just want to develop a concept here if preparing for our children for suffering is we need to spend time remembering the suffering. And what are some ways of remembering the suffering? And there's many, many ways. Um, one thing that I have put down here is you could have a map. And this map is a map that we had on our wall in Thailand. And so it's a little bit out of date. But the years that we were there, we had the 40 most persecuted. You can get this, I think, uh, Open Doors or... Um, Voice of Martyrs somewhere online. Every year they print the, uh, I just looked for this year, it's online, 40 most persecuted countries in the world. And I took little red dots, little sticker dots, and it's a great thing to do with your family, and I put them all around here. Uh, maybe we can, ooh, well, it just makes mark. So anyway, have red dots all, all through here. Uh, there's 40 of the most persecuted countries, and that's a good thing to have up in your home if you want to remember to remember the suffering put up the world map 
and put a mark or a pin and update it every year where the most persecution is going on. Uh, Mexico's in there, I don't know, 38, 39, uh, uh, it's closer home, doesn't it? And there's all kinds of ways to pray for, for those. Uh, go through there and pray for them. I, I have a way that, that I like to use and, and it maybe won't be as effective for you, but it's really handy. You know, the, the, the map is made in these, uh, you got these grids and uh, you, I can go day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then I can go across this away. And, you know, in a month's time, you can get them all. Uh, or you can do it however you want to do it. Put up a map. Um, also, real stories. You know, I have, uh, I brought some stories with me, and the world is full of real stories. I knew this assignment was coming up, and so I reached out to some of my uh, pastor friends and in persecuted lands, you know, and they're just they're touching. Here's one from Pakistan, just a short one. Hello, brother. Mistreating and persecution is not stopped. It was not the first incident which happened last month, if to work through the English, in which 26 churches and 300 houses, numerous Bibles and hymn books are burnt. It's nonstop series which going on lasts for many years. These days, it's getting intensity in it. The target is the church. People and pastors now can't write much about it. It's arrived in our divisional area. We can be a victim of it also. Please keep us in your prayers. Uh, if you can find letters, if, it, just anything that keeps you remembering the suffering. Uh, I have more. If I have time, I may read some more of them to you. They're very interesting. Uh, pray that God would raise... So I would say pray. I'm just giving some, like I did last night, giving some pointers to do with your family at your family altar or at your meal times or whenever. Uh, read real stories. Pray for the persecuted not to be weary in well-doing. I think that's very important. Pray for them. As your children hear you praying for them, I'll guarantee you, like I told you last night, they'll be praying for them. They won't know what they're saying, but God gets it. Pray that God would raise up others when some of them go down. Pray for prisoners and pray for their wives and pray for their children that are home. And here's a real important, I think, that our children need to see us modeling is praying for the persecutor's salvation. Pray for the pastors in the restricted areas. And I don't know whether this, this may not appeal to you, but uh, we, we've did this a little bit. Um, play like you're hiding out. Um, I think it's good to do this. Just play like you're hiding out. Uh, maybe sometime pretend you're having a church service underground. Meet somewhere at 2 o'clock a.m. Park down the road a few miles. What are you thinking? I mean, would your children remember that? Um, I don't know. We've been involved in, in settings where groups would hide 
and uh, try to conduct a service and not be found out by others that were searching. And uh, I don't know. It's you pray about how God wants you to direct, bring awareness to your family. Memorize passages. I thought about this. Memorize passages of the Bible as a family. Like, well, if we all go to prison for our faith, what book would we like to be able to quote in prison? Oh, book of James. Or uh, we want to do, we got James this year. We're going to do Peter next year. We're going to, you know, pretty soon. Well, if our family ends up in prison with the, some other families close by, well, we'll at least have, uh, we'll have good Bible preaching. Um, stories like coals of fire. And uh, I think there all those kinds of stories that, that, that tell about people that are being persecuted and how that good is returned for evil. There's something about that. To me, I think it connects with the hero. And it identifies with, well, if I'm stepped on, um, and I love that person that's stepping on me, and I'm praying for that person, and God's got this whole thing in control, there's just something about the dynamic, the release of energy. I don't know. Maybe it's moment-by-moment moment grace that God releases because we, we believe tonight that He is faithful. And we believe that He would... <clears throat> the Bible says that there is no temptation taken us, which is common to man. He, that, he would be faithful to grant us the grace to get through it. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Those are things that we need to hold up for uh, our children to hear. I don't know. I, I got another question. There's two questions that, that I'm asking tonight. And I'm not going to answer, but I sure like to hear you answer when, uh, when uh, Mason gets back up here. So the question I asked you first was, uh, should we pray for persecution? Uh, the second question is, have we overprotected our children? You can just, I'm not, you, you just take that however. Have we overprotected our children? Well, let's wind this up. So here's what we talked about tonight. There are three steps we can take now to prepare our children for persecution. We can anticipate suffering, rejoice in suffering, and remember the suffering. It's just simple. I just want it to be simple, something you get a hold of, something that's doable, something within, with, that's within reach. Everybody can anticipate, everybody can rejoice, and you can remember and I think what we need to do is, uh, I want to inspire you this tonight. Somehow I see that as we prepare, and I think those of you that are older, I think you've heard it all your life. You've heard this, you haven't heard anything new tonight that you haven't heard all your life. Uh, and, and that's been a gift to us. I think it's been a heritage to us. I think it'd do well if we spent more time in, in the uh, martyr. How many of you have a martyr's mayor? A few. A Fox's Book of Martyrs. Yeah. Uh, I think those stories are faith building. That's, uh, that's the real deal. Now, people gave their life for Christ.
So the ripple effect goes out. The ongoing ripple effect of being prepared, and I'm going to say does four things in closing. It inspires children to live a more consecrated life. Oh, if it does it for children, it probably does me too. Now get it again. The ripple effect of being prepared. It inspires us to live a more consecrated life. And who doesn't want that? So what do we lose by just being prepared? Secondly, ongoing ripple effect of being prepared. It's a setup for the practice of greater self-denial. And if you say you don't need that tonight, I would be challenged. The practice of greater self-denial. I just, I just see these are, I give you one, inspire them to live a more consecrated life. Number two, practice greater self-denial. And thirdly, the ripple effect is I live more separated from the world. More separated from the world. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going into the world to reach the world. But I must come out of the world in order to have a message to go back into the world. And all of this stuff, when you talk about preparing for persecution, it kind of just lays the trinkets and the night, the roadside stands and all of that stuff as I refer to. Uh, it's just kind of lays it over there in the dust. Teach the ongoing ripple effect of being prepared. Number four, more zealous for the work of the Lord and the salvation of souls. And I'll go over them again. The ongoing ripple effect of being prepared. One, inspires to live a more consecrated life. Two, practice greater self-denial. Three, live more separated from the world. Four, more zealous for the work of the Lord and salvation of souls. So I'm going to kind of come here where we left off last night. Remember this. God has big plans for our... I want to hear you say this together. God has big plans for our little ones. All right, now just this section. God has big plans for our little ones. And this section. God has big plans for our little ones. And this section. God has big plans for our little ones. And those plans are what we call homes on purpose. And one by one by one, these children are going to spring up one day and create their own homes. They'll be teaching these things to their own children. And it's just been a wonderful opportunity to come along here with you, beside you, and dream with you about the big plans God has for little ones to raise up homes on purpose.